Alright, let's move to bab number 9. Inshallah we will look at some ahadith. Okay. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Bab ma yustahabbu an yughsala witra. Ma yustahabbu, what is recommended of the fact that an yughsala witra, that the person should be washed an odd number of times. This is referring to the washing of the deceased. Remember from the head all the way to their feet, the right side and then the left side. Alright? This should be done how many times? An odd number of times. So three, five, seven, nine, as much as is needed. The proof of this, حَدَّثَنَا مُحَمَّدٌ حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدُ الْوَهَابِ الثَّقَفِيُّ عَنْ أَيُّوبِ عَنْ مُحَمَّدٍ عَنْ أُمِّ عَطِيَّةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ دَخَلَ عَلَيْنَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَنَحْنُ نَغْسِلُ بْنَتَهُ Umm Atiyah said that the Prophet ﷺ entered upon us while we were washing his daughter. فَقَالَ So he said, اِغْسِلْنَهَا ثَلَاثًا أَوْ خَمْسًا أَوْ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكَ Wash her three or five times or more than that. بِمَاءٍ وَسِدْرٍ With water and sidr. وَجْعَلْنَ فِي الْآخِرَةِ كَافُورًا and put in the last one, meaning in the final rinse, put kafur, which is this fragrance. فَإِذَا فَرَغْتُنَّ فَآذِنَّنِي Then when you are done washing her, then inform me. فَلَمَّا فَرَغْنَا آذَنَّاهُ So she said, when we finished washing her, we informed the Prophet ﷺ. فَأَلْقَى إِلَيْنَا حِقْوَهُ So he threw towards us, his hiqu, which shows that the Prophet ﷺ was not in the place where his daughter was being washed. It seems like her body was being washed in a secluded place and he was not there. So he passed his hiqu from the outside and the hiqu, remember, is the waist wrapper. Fakala and he said, Ash'irnaha iyahu, shroud her in this. And look at the word ash'irna. Shi'ar, remember, is used for the inner garment. There is the shi'ar and the dithar. There is the shi'ar, which is the inner garment, and the dithar is the outer garment. And the Prophet ﷺ said about the ansar, that the ansar are shi'ari. They are like my inner garment. What does that mean? He was telling them about how close they were to him. In relation to other people. Does anybody remember at what occasion the Prophet ﷺ said this to them? That the Ansar are my Shi'ar? Does anybody remember at what occasion he said that? Remember that after the conquest of Makkah, in fact after the Battle of Hunayn, when so much booty was brought into Makkah and the Prophet ﷺ was distributing that among the people, he gave to one person up to a hundred camels. And he gave all of this to who? To the newly converted people. People like Abu Sufyan and, and the big names. He gave them so much. And you know what he gave to the Ansar? Nothing. So some of the Ansar, they felt really sad about that. And some people in fact said that our swords are still dribbling with the blood of the people that we have fought. Meaning, we are the ones who have been working all this time and now the money, the booty is being given to these guys who just showed up today. So the Ansar felt very disheartened. 
And when the Prophet ﷺ found out about that, he called all the Ansar in a tent. And there was nobody except the Ansar over there. And he addressed them, and part of the things that he mentioned was also that the Ansar are my shi'ar. The Ansar are like my inner garment. They are the closest to me. And he asked them, that, would you not like that the people go back to their homes with camels and goats, and you go back to your home with the Messenger of Allah? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So anyway, he said over here, Ash'irnaha iyahu, cover her in this, shroud her in this. فَقَالَ أَيُوبُ وَحَدَّثَتْنِي حَفْصَةُ بِمِثْلِ حَدِيثِ مُحَمَّدٍ Ayyub, one of the narrators, he said that Hafsa narrated something very similar. وَكَانَ فِي حَدِيثِ حَفْصَةَ And in the narration of Hafsa, it is reported, إِغْسِلْنَهَا وِتْرَا it is reported that the Prophet ﷺ said, wash her an odd number of times. وَكَانَ فِيهِ ثَلَاثًا أَوْ خَمْسًا أَوْ سَبْعًا And in this narration, the second one that Imam Bukhari is mentioning here, that in that report is also said three or five or seven times. وَكَانَ فِيهِ أَنَّهُ قَالَ And in that narration, it is also said that the Prophet ﷺ said, إِبْدَأْنَ بِمَيَامِنِهَا Begin with her right side. وَمَوَاضِعِ الْوُضُوءِ مِنْهَا And the places of wudu. So Imam Bukhari over here is mentioning that another report, these are the instructions that the Prophet ﷺ gave. وَكَانَ فِيهِ أَنَّ أُمَّ عَطِيَّةَ قَالَتْ وَمَشَطْنَاهَا ثَلَاثَةَ قُرُونَ And in that narration it is also reported that Umm Atiyah said that we combed her hair into three braids. And remember that this was the daughter of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Which daughter? Zainab, radiallahu anha, the eldest of his children. So from this hadith, it is clear that the body of the deceased is to be washed an odd number of times. Remember that washing once is also sufficient, okay? Because one is also an odd number. If he said, wash her an odd number of times, اغسلنها وطر Witr also includes one. So if the water is limited, and if washing once is sufficient, the body is very clean, you don't need to wash it more than once, then that is also sufficient. Also, we see here towards the end of the narration that they set her hair up in a way that they put it into three braids. So from this, the scholars have also said that if a man has long hair, then his hair will also be parted in the same manner. Three braids. One on the right side, one on the left side, and one for the middle hair. And all three will be put behind the shoulders. Because remember that the general principle is that the same rules apply to men and women. There is no difference. Unless something has been specified. So for example, when it comes to wudu, is there a different wudu for men and a different wudu for women? No, it's the same. Is there a different salah for men and different salah for women? No, it's the same. The only difference is, is in the clothing. Isn't it? And in the case of congregational prayer, it's about who stands where and who leads. That's it. Otherwise, the method of prayer is exactly the same. Bab yubda'u bimayaminil mayyit. Yubda'u bimayaminil mayyit. Mayamin refers to the right side. So beginning with the right side of the dead person. Meaning, when washing the dead person, always begin with the right side. 
حدثنا علي بن عبد الله حدثنا إسماعيل بن إبراهيم حدثنا خالد عن حفصة بنت سيرين عن أم عطية رضي الله عنها قالت قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم في غسل ابنته She said the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said regarding the washing of his daughter ابدأنا بميامنها begin with her right side ومواضع الوضوء منها and the places of wudu meaning the places that are washed in wudu should be washed first and then the rest of the body should be washed. And for that of course, begin with the right side. And this is something that you should remember in general also. Even when you're washing a child, bathing a child, all right, begin with the right side of the child. You understand? You're helping a child brush their teeth. So begin with which side? Right side. You understand? You are combing a child's hair. Begin with which side? Right side. Okay? So whether you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it for someone else, living or dead, begin with the right side. Bab mawadi'il wudu'i min al the places washed in wudu for the dead person. حدثنا Yahya ibn Musa, حدثنا Wakir, عن Sufyan, عن Khalid al عن حفصة بنت سيرين عن أم عطية رضي الله عنها قالت لما غسلنا بنت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أم عطية said that when we washed the daughter of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لنا ونحن نغسلها he said to us while we were washing her ابدأنا بميامنها ومواضع الوضوء wash her with the right side and begin with the places of wudu meaning the parts of the body that are to be washed in wudu Make sure you wash them first. Do you see over here that Ummi Atiyah, I mean, who is a knowledgeable woman, I mean, she is one of those female companions who is mentioned repeatedly in different incidents. She is washing the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ. But the Prophet ﷺ is still giving instructions. You understand? And remember, this was in the eighth year of the Hijrah. Didn't Ummi Atiyah know already how to wash a dead person? She must have known. It was the eighth year of the Hijrah. So many companions, men and women had passed away. Right? So she must have known. But the Prophet ﷺ still gave instructions. Alright? So if someone in your family passes away, and you are not able to wash them, for whatever reason, you are not able to wash them, then there is no harm if you ask the person washing them hmm, to follow certain steps. Like for example, you're in a different country. One of your closest relatives passes away and they're to be washed. So as you call and you speak to your family, you can remind them, make sure you do this. Make sure this is done. All right? And this is how it should be done. This is وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالْحَقِّ وَتَوَاصَوْ بِالصَّبْرِ Tawasi bilhaq, Encouraging each other to the truth, to what is right. Because what happens usually at the time of death, especially when you're handling the body of a dead person, you can really be overwhelmed with emotion. Isn't it so? And there could be things that you knew very well about, but right at that time you forgot. Isn't it? Or sometimes you just have so much to do, so much is going on, that you forget. You know, just this morning... We were making breakfast and my husband forgot to put salt on the eggs. 
right? So I was studying and I just asked, did you put salt? And he said, oh, I forgot. I mean, he knew he was supposed to do that, but he forgot. It happens. Sometimes you know something really well, but as you're doing it, you forget. So don't assume that the people who are washing the dead know everything and that they will do a perfect job. You have a right to remind them. And especially as a relative of the deceased, you have a right to remind the person washing the deceased to follow the sunnah. Bab, هَلْ تُكَفَّنُ الْمَرْأَةُ فِي إِزَارِ الرَّجُلِ Can a woman be shrouded in a man's waist wrapper? Can she be shrouded in the cloth of a man? Hmm? What's the proof? All of you said yes. Because the Prophet ﷺ gave his own izar for who? For his daughter. What about the hadith that men should not imitate women and women should not imitate men? Hmm? What about that hadith? We have really misunderstood that hadith. We think that hadith means that a woman or a girl cannot wear anything that a man wears. And a man cannot wear anything that a woman wears. Don't misunderstand me here. Let me explain. An izar is what? It's a piece of cloth. It's a piece of cloth. And it's, you know, we can assume that this piece of cloth was such. It must have been white because that's what the Prophet ﷺ encouraged us to do. And even if it was not white, it must have been so neutral that it would be perfectly fine to put that on a man or a woman. You understand? It would be perfectly fine to put that on a man or a woman. So sometimes, for example, there could be you know, a piece of cloth, a, a garment, a shirt, a pant, something that is so neutral that can be put on a girl and it can also be put on a boy. Is there anything wrong with that? No. We have gone on to extremes. You know, we have become so strict about certain colors. Hmm? only for girls and certain colors, only for boys. So much so that if a boy is seen wearing like a teal, he's made fun of. My son is only eight years old and I got him these teal shorts. I thought they were so cool. He put them on once and he never put them on again. And I asked him why. He said, because everybody makes fun of me. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. For wearing teal shorts... An eight-year-old boy is being mocked. Who said that teal is a girl color? Right? It's not. It's a neutral color. And then we've gone on to another extreme, which is that if if children are dressed in neutral colors, then we say that you're not teaching them about being girly or being boyish. You're promoting being gender neutral, which is another you know issue. Right? I mean, we should be realistic. The Prophet ﷺ gave his own izar for his daughter. A cloth that he was wearing for his daughter. حدثنا عبد الرحمن بن حماد أخبرنا ابن عون عن محمد عن أم عطية قالت توفيت بنت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. أم عطية said that the daughter of the Prophet ﷺ passed away. فَقَالَ لَنَا So he said to us, إِغْسِلْنَهَا ثَلَاثًا أَوْ خَمْسًا أَوْ أَكْثَرَ مِنْ ذَلِكْ إِنْ رَأَيْتُنَّ 
So he said to us, wash her three or five times or more than that if you see the need. Meaning if needed, wash her even more than five times. فَإِذَا فَرَغْتُنَّ فَآذِنَّنِي When you are done washing her, then tell me. فَلَمَّا فَرَغْنَا آذَنَّاهُ When we were done, we informed him. فَنَزَعَ مِنْ حِقْوِهِ إِزَارَهُ وَقَالَ أَشْعِرْنَهَا إِيَّاهُ He gave us his waist trapper and he said, shroud her in it. Now you see in all of these narrations, this is something that's mentioned. And the Prophet ﷺ instructed them, when you're done washing her, tell me. Meaning before you put the kafan on her, you have to tell me. And so they did. And when they told him, he gave his izar. What does this show? The Prophet wasallam's love for his daughter. His love for his daughter. She was going to be shrouded in something. But he didn't want that shroud to be just anything. He wanted that shroud to be something special. Something from him. Why? Because firstly, he was her father. And secondly, because he was also the Prophet of Allah. Right? And remember that there is special tabarruk, baraka associated with the Prophet ﷺ that is not with others. So for that reason, he gave his izar. Now, remember that Zainab radiallahu anha was his eldest daughter. Eldest daughter. And she passed away in the eighth year after Hijrah. And what this means is that she was there from the beginning of the Prophet ﷺ's mission. We learn about the stories of Fatima radiallahu anha, how she supported her father. But Zainab radiallahu anha also supported her father in a different way. First of all, uh, there is a very beautiful narration that I would like to tell you about. We learned that Harith ibn Harith said that at Hajj, he heard that people had surrounded a man from among them who had become a Sabi. Who was a Sabi? According to the Arabs, Sabi was a person who had left his religion. So Harith ibn Harith said that he was at Hajj and he had heard there was a man who had become a Sabi and people had surrounded him. There was a big crowd that had gathered around him. So Harith bin Harith said that we also went to see what was going on. Who was that man? Why had people gathered around him? What was going on? So he said, we went and we saw that Muhammad wasallam was calling people to believe in Allah alone. And the people were denying him. And they were hurting him. So who was the man who had been surrounded? It was the Prophet ﷺ. What was he saying to the people? Believe in Allah alone. And what were the people doing? What were they doing? Rejecting him and hurting him. And he said this went on until midday. For a very long time, it continued until people went away. They got tired because of the heat of the sun. All right, And they went away. They left the Prophet ﷺ alone. So Harith bin Harith, who's watching this, he said a girl came to the Prophet ﷺ, whose headscarf was not covering her properly, but she brought a bowl of water and a piece of cloth. The Prophet ﷺ took the bowl and drank from it. And then with the remaining water, he did wudu. And then he said, Oh my daughter, adjust your shawl. And do not fear for your father. So Harith bin Harith said that we asked, who's that girl? 
And he said, we were told, that's his daughter Zainab. So Zainab radiallahu anha also supported her father from the very beginning. We see that over here she brought him water, right? So that he would drink it and he would also wash himself with it. Now, Zainab radiallahu anha, remember, she was married at this time. She was married to Abu al-As ibn al-Rabir. And remember that when the Prophet ﷺ declared the message, then two of his daughters were engaged to the sons of Abu Lahab. Correct? What happened to those two daughters? Immediately, the engagement was broken off. But Zainab was already married to Abu al-As. So you know what the people did? They told Abu al-As, divorce your wife. And he refused. But Zainab had believed in the Prophet ﷺ and Abu al-As had not. He did not. We also learned that when the Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, Zainab anha could not migrate because she was with her husband in Mecca. That's where she stayed. And then in the battle of Badr, her husband went from the side of the mushrikeen to fight the Muslims. Why? Because many people were forced to do that against their will. So Abu al-As, he participated in Badr, and in Badr he was caught as a captive by the Muslims. And then Zainab radiallahu anha sent her necklace to the Muslims. Why? To ransom her husband. What was that necklace? That necklace was given to her by her mother, Khadija radiallahu anha. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he was overcome by emotion and basically... They returned the ransom and Abu al-As was set free on the condition that he would send Zainab to Medina. And he fulfilled his promise. So Zainab radiallahu anha migrated to Medina. She had to leave her family. She had to leave her husband and she migrated to Medina. And remember that on her journey, while she was leaving Mecca, she was attacked by some people of Mecca and she fell from her camel and she miscarried her baby. She was pregnant at the time. But she made her way to Medina and for six years she lived in Medina by herself. She did not remarry. And then we learned that Abu al-As was captured by the Muslims on another journey. He was brought into Medina as a prisoner and Zainab radiallahu anha went to the masjid and announced that she was giving protection to Abu al-As. So the Muslims could not harm him. And so basically Abu al-As he was set free, he went back to Mecca, returned the money of the Meccans, and he came back to Medina and as a Muslim. Right? And then he was with his wife again, Zainab radiallahu anha. But after one year, Zainab radiallahu anha passed away. So the reason why I'm mentioning this story about Zainab radiallahu anha is because it's really a story of patience and a story of hope and a story of great suffering in the path of Allah. And we see that feeling, you know, that love that the Prophet ﷺ had for his daughter, that, that pity that he had, you know, because he had seen his daughter suffer so much. Imagine the Prophet ﷺ's daughter is living in a household where her husband is not a Muslim. And then she has to leave him and immigrate to another place. And she's living as a single mother. You know, Umama, the granddaughter of the Prophet ﷺ, that was the daughter of Zainab. Radiallahu anha, whom the Prophet ﷺ would carry in his salah 
Right? But six years, she lived alone. And then her husband finally came, embraced Islam, and then they were together for one year. Only one year. And she passed away. So the Prophet ﷺ gave special instructions at the time of her death, how she should be washed, and then how she should be shrouded, and he gave his own izar, so that she is covered in that. Inshallah, we will conclude over here. In our next class, we will learn about the kafan. Inshallah. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.